Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury Inside the Heart of a Champion with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790 The Ticket. And happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome on in. Fighter's Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. We got a little bit of an extended version today. Been called into action to do a little bit longer because we got Canes baseball coming up after us today. So we will go until around 11.45 today. And I'm going to talk about whatever the hell I want after 11. We're actually going to talk to UFC, former UFC strawweight champion, Joanna Njacic. She is going to be fighting at UFC 223 in April. So get the thoughts on the former champ as she suffered her first loss to Rose Namajunas back in November, and she is looking to get back her belt when she takes her on again in Brooklyn. So it'll be interesting to get uh, some thoughts from the former champ. She trains down here at American Top Team. She's been very glowing and loves the fact that she trains at American Top Team after leaving Poland to come to America to train, take that next step, and it obviously didn't go her way the last time. So it'll be interesting to hear from Joanna and where she stands with things. And so... We'll, uh, we'll have that about uh, around 11 o'clock for you. But we have a lot to get to. A lot of next week is going to be one of the busiest weeks of the year as far as stakes are concerned, as far as all the action we have. We got UFC pay-per-view. We have a Showtime boxing card. We have an HBO boxing card. It's it's a very, very busy week. You know, last night was busy. I mean, we had we had a lot. We had, you know, an HBO card. We had Fox or uh, UFC on Fox in Orlando, which – UFC on Fox are always my favorite because they're done by 10. I just love it. It just feels like it always goes well. It feels like the action's always high. The pace is, fa- is fast and furious. The only thing I could do without is the Reba McIntyre Colonel commercials, but that's another talk for another day. But last night at UFC Orlando, we were headlined by Jeremy Stevens taking on Josh Emmett. It was a vicious, vicious fight. These guys came in, and we were promised a very violent fight, and they delivered. They were throwing haymakers left and right. Each one of these guys was going to end this fight as soon as possible. And at one point, Jeremy Stevens was knocked down in the first round. So it looked like he was in some real trouble after getting a nice streak together. But he was able to rally in round two. And these guys, I mean, they were going, they were going for like a, a Stanton porn hack home run. That's That's what was going on between these two in this fight. And eventually, Jeremy Stevens, he hits him with the left hand, drops Josh Emmett, and Stevens pounces on him. And he is throwing just vicious elbows, really, really vicious. But it, it, it was it was with reckless abandon. He was not really controlling where they were going. It wasn't it wasn't looking out for his opponent's well being. He is going to end that fight as he should. He's a fighter. Referee was right on top of it. Two of these elbows, and I didn't even notice this as it's going on live, so it's tough for me to criticize the official too much on that 
because you understand it's in the frantic, vicious pace of a fight. A guy's going to finish things. A lot of things that are questionable can sometimes happen. So I didn't notice the illegal elbows right away. But two of them did hit Josh Emmett behind the head. He kept scrambling. He kept going. Moved his head a little bit more. Then Jeremy Stevens throws a knee. The knee misses and kind of clips him back on the way down. That was very clear. Everybody saw it. Uh, The crowd even started booing a little bit as it was going on. Nothing's called. Fight's not stopped. No timeout. Keeps going in a very, very crazy, frantic scramble. Josh Emmett's falling away. And then Jeremy Stevens hits him with two just elbows from hell. Flatlines him. Fight's over. Uh, those were both legal shots right on the right on the the face of Josh Emmett, and it was over. So, very very impressive win for Jeremy Stevens. A very violent fight, as was talked about and previewed going into it. We were expecting a lot of action. We were expecting a frantic pace. That's what we got. What do we do with what went down this past week with this with this past fight? Do we go? And are you supposed to take away the fight from Jeremy Stevens because of illegal shots that were thrown that were not called within the fight? Is this a case where the commission is supposed to go back? We don't have instant replay. Are they supposed to go back and fix what has happened? To me, this really circles back to the rules aren't unified everywhere and that's a big problem you never know with where things stand now in this case with the knees it shouldn't matter Josh Emmett was down points of three point stance four point stance doesn't matter he has two knees down so throwing the knee which whiffed on the way up clipped on the way down I don't know what the significance of it was wasn't great but what I do think whether or not the rules matter here or not is I think the referees don't know. I think they're too shook. I think they're I think they're too confused. You know, Dan Mergliata, who's regarded as one of the best in the sport, and I and, and I would tend to agree with that. I don't I don't look at a lot of Mergliata fights and say, wow, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He has been in these controversies before with the knees. You remember Gegard Mousasi, Chris Weidman, stopped at a weird time, and you know, almost where he called timeout and then was stopped and it was called a TKO loss for Weidman. But though the knees were, one of them was probably legal and then one of them was illegal, but he didn't know. He was too shook on it. You don't, you, they're, they're, they're too fuzzy on the rules, especially when they're going from commission to commission. What's the rules here? What's the rules there? Uh, is this a state, you know, I don't, I don't know if these referees are putting themselves in that mindset of, oh, I'm in Florida. These are the rules here. Oh, I'm in New York. Here's the rules here. It should just be one rule set everywhere, especially the fact that something like the UFC, I don't know how they don't have their own damn rules. Why they're why they're going from state to state or commission to commission? Like, hey, you're 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 the horse leading the cart here. It's not the other way around. If if you're telling people these are our adopted rules, well, that's what they should be. This isn't a commission thing. If the UFC tells you, oh, no, you have to have four points down for the need to be illegal, and that's what the UFC decides, that's what the UFC decides. I mean, otherwise, they won't bring their 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 fights to your state. So it, it, something has to be 
agreed upon here with officials so we can just get a clear-cut case. So in a case like Jeremy Stevens, whether he throws it or not, look, the intent with that knee was to do bad things. It was. It's not like he threw that knee out there to distract or to make Josh. He was trying to hit him with that knee. He just missed. So it kind of comes down to the thing like in the NBA. I'll relate it. When there's a fight in the NBA and guys throw shots, if a guy throws a shot, it's a game. If he lands, it's probably five. And that really shouldn't be the case. If your intention is to hurt a person with a closed fist, that really should be punishment enough. You meant to do it. You just suck at throwing punches. That's all. So the fact that you're a bad punch thrower is saving your ass from four games. Well, in this case, if Jeremy Stevens does hit that knee and push Josh Emmett out, there's no question that he's probably getting disqualified and something has to be done about that. He got lucky. So did he have a great performance? Yeah, he had a great performance. Jeremy Stevens had a great performance. Should have punished him in the rankings? No. Uh, Should he be number one contender? Maybe. If he's not, he's on the doorstep. He's getting as close as you could possibly get. I think that probably still has to go to the winner of Frankie Edgar, Brian Ortega next week. But something has to be done with the UFC to fix this with their officials. Because though they're not officially UFC employees, though they're not officially under their umbrella or under their jurisdiction, it's the same people every single week. They might as well be. It's the same cast of characters. They're involved with your sport enough and tied to enough in your events that they have to be given a singular set of rules to follow. And that should be led by Dana White and the UFC and the powers that be. And they should go to every commission, tell them what the rules are, and that's it. If you don't adopt them, we ain't coming. That's it. Because this is happening too many times where the referees either don't know the rules, don't enforce the rules, get shook, are too confused, and something bad's going to happen. So let's stop leaning back and deciding, ah, Missouri Commission, do what you want. Florida Commission, do what you want. New York Commission, do what you want. No. You're the show here. Everybody wants the UFC to come to their state. So so make something happen. Don't put this on the Florida Commission. Don't put this on other states' commissions. Make the decision for yourself. So when Dan Mergliata is doing a, a, a fight in Vegas or he's doing it in Orlando or if he's doing it in Kansas City, he's got one rule set that he has to know, follow, and dictate the rules. And that's it. There can be no questions about this. Because he was right there, he had a great view for everything, but he doesn't know what to enforce. Does he deserve blame there? Sure. That's what he's there for. He should know. But can you understand why he doesn't, or why he's hesitant, or why he why he questions himself to enforce these things? Yeah. Because ultimately, they're there to protect fighters. That's, the, that's rule number one. But also, they're in a no-win situation because if they stop fights too early, people are pissed. If they let fight go too long, people are pissed. So I get it. These referees don't want to be the guy 
who upset who, who upset the audience or get booed. They're humans. So let's take the variables out of this. Let's make it as easy as possible for this. Because I think the result should be what it was last night. Josh Emmett lost that fight. He was TKO'd. Was there some questionable things that went on in that fight? Yes. But we do need to recognize that a bullet was dodged last night. That we almost had disaster and it could have been worse. And so let's fix it before it's a disaster next time. We'll be back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Seaman Tommy Guns are in the building. Good morning, guys. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. I almost, I almost said happy Saturday. <laughs> Did you not sleep? Did you just pull an all-nighter? Yes. That's what was going on? You were hooting with the owls? I've been that excited. So we were discussing during the break uh, a little bit about the illegal knees and elbows. You seem a little bit more loose on this, Seema. I am. Let me know. Well, first, what, what, first, are you, what are you feeling? Because I'm hot. I'm hot over. You're hot. <laughs> I can tell you. You're hot and bothered. Up. We you're worked it. up. So, with the elbows, the first, we'll call them quote unquote illegal elbows. Okay. So the first quote unquote illegal elbow hits him in the ear. Mm-hmm. Ear is not illegal. You can hit somebody in the ear on the side of the head. That's a, so. That the first one is illegal elbow elbow to me. The second one, while it did hit the back of the head. Josh Emmett turned his head. If you watch the tape, he turns his head. He rolls his head over to avoid the shot, obviously. But Stevens is already engaged and already throwing that second elbow. Mm -hmm. And he hits him on the back of the head. Mergliata's standing there right on top of the action. Just looking at it. Exactly right. And I think that Mergliata felt the same way. I think he told told, uh, Cormier afterwards, too. That's what it was in the midst of the fight. In and the midst, he and, he's, and he was rolling to defend himself. Guys get hit with those kind of elbows and ground and pound every single fight. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's like collateral damage. You know, Josh Emmett, that that shot right there did not end the fight for Josh Emmett. Josh Emmett was done. I don't care what anybody says. From the time he went down. Correct. I figured it was a matter of time. And everybody agrees with that. I have not heard anybody say that that elbow that he hit him behind the head with is what caused the fight to be finished. Mm-hmm. No. The the knee. While I understand he shouldn't have thrown the knee, the, the knee missed, and it caused no damage whatsoever. With regards to your analogy, I appreciate the NBA analogy. Yeah. But a non-fight sport analogy to a fight sport analogy. I think because he threw the knee, you can't stop a fight and say, oh, you know, disqualification because you you threw an air knee and there was the potential for it to be a foul. Right, but I, I do think that we see all the time fouls in fights that can be warned. He should have he could have been warned. He could have been warned. I don't I think at that point at that point of the fight he could have been warned. I don't think it result would result in a stop of action. I think it would have been a verbal warning while engaged when we normally see, hey, keep your punches up. Hey, don't hit behind the head. 
it's it's that type of warning, which would not have stopped the fight. Okay. Which the action would have continued. Right. It, the fight would have been stopped. Josh Emmett might be still asleep after those two elbows Vicious. that he took when he was laying on the canvas. And I don't think this in any way, shape, or form should be allowed to be protested, should be overturned, should be ruled in no contest. There should be no blemish, no asterisk, no nothing. I think that Jeremy Stevens won this fight fair and square. And if we're going to sit here and we're going to go into replay action and and all of the you're going to have to do that to every single fight and the fight sport will be ruined from this point forward. Tell me what would you think Just about Just my two cents. Uh, what went down? I believe that the fighters are in the cage to fight and they're in they have that momentum. Yes, they're in terms of rules, there are some inconsistencies when they are applied and when they're not applied, uh, but the ref is standing right there. And it's just, he's watching it. And was he a little late? Yes, I think so. He could have stopped it a little sooner. But it was a fair fight. He won. Yeah. Well, look, I don't have a problem with the result. I don't have a problem with what Jeremy Stevens did in that cage. It's a fight. We all watch it every single week. What about the eye gouge from a couple weeks ago? Horrible. Horrible. No no penalty, no point deduction, no No. nothing. But my bigger problem is... With the with the rules, we don't have any rules that are agreed. There are very few rules in mixed martial arts. They should all be agreed upon, and they should be the same. Whoever walks into a cage with four-ounce gloves on, it should be the same. And the fact that he has to go to Jeremy Stevens and says, Hey, Jeremy, we're in Florida, so keep in mind, if it's only one hand, cool. Or if it's this, cool. But if we were in New York, not cool. If we were in Kansas City, not cool. And not only that, Dan Miliata has to think about that because he's been in multiple things before. So I would just like all of them to be agreed upon. And so we got into a little bit of a ta- we got into a little bit of a talk of this during before uh, before the segment started. I need the UFC to step up here, strong arm these commissions into saying these are the damn rules we want, and if we don't, we ain't coming. See, now you're going to get the FBI involved in in MMA. That strong. Well, once you say strong arm, they're like, "Oh, what's going on down there? I, we got a, we got a phone tap. We got a phone tap. These guys we need to, we need to, to see to, what's going on. We need to dictate. They're talking about not going to a state because of the rules. Uh, let's investigate. I need them though, Seema. Like I think that I think that th- they need to take the lead here. If they're the league, on, look, they have their own drug testing. They employ USADA. They could just do state commissions. Yes, they got their own drug testing. They decide on and they ruined, ruined the it. sport. They ruined it. Uh, but they did it. So I think that the UFC that contract over. I don't know, man. Not soon enough, if you ask me. John Jones hearing this week. Woo, let's go. <laughs> let's go lenient. Um, I, I just think that they need. To, I, I think there needs to be a lead here from the top mixed martial arts promotion to say, "Hey, you need to adopt this, or we ain't coming." And I think that would get everybody on board enough to say, "All right, well, we need them to come here. We want them to come here." Especially states like this where they don't come very often. I agree. I agree with you there. Now, legally, the organization can't dictate or be involved in the process with the commission of setting the rules. But I'm sure that with a little bit of influence and saying where they will fight based on what their requirements are. So if the UFC sets their requirements for rules that, look, we're only going to go to states that have adopted 
these unified rules, then I think that you would see a call for action and states actually adopt those rules. Right. And in this situation, it didn't matter because he, he had two knees on, so it should have been illegal no matter what. But I'm saying the referees are so damn confused, they don't know when to pull the trigger on to throw a warning out or to stop a fight. Or to know, I don't feel like they I don't feel like they're confident enough in their own head. Some refs are too lenient with letting damage go. Yamasaki. Some of them are too quick to stop fights. Herb Dean. Some 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 don't know. Like it's it's like and, and so I think if, if you got to as a promoter do everything you can to 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 have your fighters in the best position to just have the cleanest results. So would it have mattered here? You're right. Probably not. Jeremy Stevens should have that win on his resume. This shouldn't be changed to a no contest. And that's what people are calling for this well, that's morning. Dumb. I think it's, that's dumb. It's ridiculous. People are calling for, oh, we hit him with an illegal elbow. The fight should be ruled a no contest. Really? No, it shouldn't be. Like, then you have to that's go back dumb. and look at every fight yeah. where guys get hit with illegal elbows in in the midst of the action, yeah. elbows are coming down one every two to three seconds, and, and a guy turns his head, he's trying to defend himself, and he happens to. He didn't do it intentionally. Right. Bear down on the back of his head, and that's what the rules are for. Yeah, it, it's, not like, it's not like Jeremy Stevens was doing that because he, he felt like he had to cheat. He had no. a guy at the end of a fight. That's not what this, to me, this is not what this is about. I'm not looking to punish Jeremy Stevens. I think he should have this one on his resume. And he should either be fighting for the title next or be a fight away from fighting for the title next. He he deserves that win. But it should be noted, hey, guys, this is still out here that our refs, eh, they're a little dicey with what, what to enforce, when to enforce. Like you said, there's eye gouges from week to week. There's knees when you don't know when they're supposed to stop and not stop. I do feel like there has to be a coming together of the minds, almost like with the NFL. NFL does rules commissions every single year on what's what are the rules, what aren't the rules. These refs need to be up to date, up to speed, and I think it would help if the rules were the same everywhere. Just take out the margin for error, and I think we'll be in a better spot as a sport, as fans of the sport, and for the fighters. I really do. So... That's the big result from last night. Uh, Ed, Ed, uh, it was a good card. I enjoyed it. It was. I thought it was great fights. It was great fights. And just to close that segment out, if the UFC, there's a way to approach it in a very diplomatic way where it doesn't seem like or have the, the perception of them influencing the state commissions because that'll be the first thing that people say is that, oh, because they're the big organization, they're influencing the state commissions. They could they could clearly come out and say that in the in the best interest of our fighters and the best interest of the referees controlling these fights and in the ring or in the cage engaged in action, we have instituted a process by which we're mandating uh, in the in the best interest of our fighters and protecting them that we are only going to fight in states that that adhere to X rules. Right. They would, if they did that, then I bet you would see conformity across the board, where everybody would totally. say, "You know what? We're going to adopt those adopt those rules because we want the UFC coming here." Yeah. And it's for fighter safety at the Correct. end of the day. But they have to position it as for fighter safety, yeah. and and in the essence of creating continuity for all of the refs and the judges, who in most cases can't see and don't understand what's going no. on in the cage anyway. 
which is why fighters are so focused on finishing fights because they don't want it to go to the judges. Yeah. So that would be that would be uh, my recommendation. What did you guys think of uh, of the rest of the car? What, what stood out to you? How about that 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 standing guillotine was unbelievable. that was classic. That was unbelievable. Jose Alonso talking about refs. Yeah. Jose Alonso oh, yeah. standing was, on was, the other side. The guy's tapping on the on the right side, and he's standing on the left side, just kind of like, "What's going on here?" Yeah, and in and that then, case, Latifi's like, "Hey, like, he turned and told him he's sleeping." Yeah, he's, he's like, done. Hey, did you did you feel him? He's like, "Yeah." I mean, really? Yeah, is I, that why his arm dropped? <laughs> I felt him tapping, but you know, it's got to stop it. Is that why his arm is just dangling? Big tree fall hard, man. <laughs> Ovin Sepru's a big boy too. He is. I didn't. That didn't feel like it worked in the laws of physics. How no. Latifi made that happen. I mean, yeah. Latifi's strong as hell. Yeah, he's a beast. He is, man. That's a weird, little, a weird call out of Cormier I like, I like that fight, though. Do, uh, him versus Cormier? Oh, yeah. I like that fight. Too short. Yes. Too short, stocky wrestlers going to war. I think that the, the wrestling is neutralized at that point. They could use and they new, just stand and bang. I think that's an interesting they, fight. They need, need some some new blood at the top of 205. Um I don't know. I, I don't think Cormier is going to fight after this Steve fight one way or another. I don't think so either. He doesn't um, want to um, get beat by Jones again. Unless, yeah. I think unless I think it's the only fight he'll go out for because obviously that's huge money for him either way. I think I think good retirement plan. Yeah, I think it's a great retirement plan. You you versus John Jones for the heavyweight title at the end of the year? Yeah, I'd say so. I think that's definitely that's definitely big big time dough for them. Um, yeah. So there was that Max Griffin defeating uh, Mike Perry by decision. He beat beat him up. Mike Perry. I know they have high hopes on Mike Perry because he's, you know, he's he's the ultimate, you know, go out and brawl, and he's, I think he's in, in a way, I think they hope he's kind of their new cowboy, will fight anybody, any anybody, anytime, anywhere, but um, definitely still has some shortcomings for it uh, that he has I'm to sorry, work I, on. I was reading the Kobe Covington post. Oh man, Col- wow. Kobe Covington went who who uh, who trains at Coconut Creek, and look, Kobe's trying to lift the Chael Sonnen. Uh, gimmick as as high as as quick as anybody can. <laughs> wow! Like, from the same from the same state. Uh, watched watched Chael growing up. Like he, he's he's trying to to go. The, you know, angered Brazil, called Brazil a bunch of filthy animals. But he went for the jugular here. Oh my gosh! Hey, you can't even read half of this, can you? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Curse. Hey, Mike Perry. Just in one part. Maybe having your ratchet horse-faced girlfriend as your head trainer isn't the smartest idea on the pla- on planet Earth. But hey, when you're a product of cousin bleeping in Ocala, Florida, how strong can your decision-making skills be? Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> That's rough. That's rough. That is, uh... Do you... Now, the question is, as Mike Perry, do you even respond to that? Mike Perry, well, I think, yeah. I think Kobe's, like, ranked number three right now, so I think a fight between... Hey, he'd probably love a fight. Not only to get revenge on that, but also because, yeah, that'd be a huge win to get him up in the rankings. I mean, Mike Perry needs, I think there's two losses in a row for him now, so I think he does need uh, something to really bounce back from. I don't know if Colby Covington really wants the fight with Mike Perry because, you know, he's probably a fight Mike away from Perry getting the title shot himself. Mike Perry looked good in the third round, though. He did. He did. He, he came back pretty good. He did. His he's, face was wide open. He's he's he was uh, yeah he was wearing, he had the, the cut on the side. His eyes were I didn't, you know you didn't see it really till the end of the fight where his eyes were cut up really bad as well. Dude's a savage. He's 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 a, he's a complete badass. Um, so we'll see we'll see if there's any fallout for that. Say if if uh, if Colby loses <laughs> a fight coming up that yeah you'll you'll definitely get that at some point between these two. 
That was d- them is fighting words. Oh yeah, you can't you can't tweet that out and not expect that that's going to result in a fight. You can't. Oh, but man. that's like a street fight quote. Like like that's not even like in the cage type stuff. No, that's, that's like if I see you and we cross each other's path. That's as brutal as it gets. I'm sorry. And normally I'd say that's line crossing, um, especially because it's involving his woman. But his his girlfriend is his coach. So I didn't like the fact that she was like screaming out, break his leg, break his leg. Like, come on. I just, what, well, I, let's go back to the Instagram. Po- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would like to know, like, uh, is that like a thing where he like he likes hearing the voice? Is that something that works that way for him? Because that is interesting that he has her there. Can you imagine after the fight going home, you didn't listen to me. Yeah. I'm your effing coach. Yep. That's tough. Wow. Who else did that? I think Caraway and Misha Tate, like they used to do that when they were together. I don't think they're together anymore, but they used to have that going on. But, you know, Misha Tate's a world champion. So. Imagine that, the, well, I don't really remember what she looks like, but let's say if a dude hits on her, like out at the club or something like that, and Mike oh, Perry comes move. running yeah, around, yeah, yeah, and she's in the back. Kick his ass, Mike! Kick his ass! Just throws that vicious elbow right in somebody's grill. Yeah. Just knocks him out cold. That's tough. But it Griffin's- sounds like a reality TV show here. It sure does. I, w- I, th- I think it should be uh, Mike Perry versus Kobe Covington in The Ultimate Fighter. Imagine that one. Oh, just have them on a reality show? Yeah. Together? Yes. Oh, that's yeah. the great Come television. On. That is great television. <laughs> It's cable. You know what you're talking about there. That's cable TV. There's a lot of fights coming up this next week. We'll get into it next. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. Going longer today because of uh, Kane's baseball that's coming up. So you guys will hear from Yana and Jacek at the top of the hour. Got a chance to speak with the former champion. She's going for the rematch. She loves it down here, man. I'll tell you. You guys will hear that in the interview. She uh, she loves South Florida. Loves South Florida. Loves American Top Team. Which is surprising. A lot of the times after a fighter loses, you know, the immediate blame goes to new camp. You, what are you guys doing? Man, couldn't it be further from from uh, from from that with her. She is uh, she is not in that camp for, or she's not in that feeling with her camp. That's that's for sure. Which is cool to hear. Um, so we got a busy week coming up next week. Really busy. Between, see that. between the, uh, all the fights. I'm really excited about the heavyweight fight next week. Deontay Wilder, Luis Ortiz. We're finally getting that because there was some weird stuff with Luis Ortiz's uh, drug test the last time, so it got scrapped. Um, then they got into it at Hialeah Racetrack. He's hanging out with John. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what he was hanging around with, but hope. But it's all been clean thus far. Okay. I want to see this fight. Um, and if Deontay wins and Anthony Joshua wins, Maybe we'll finally get the cup. But this is a dangerous fight for for De- for Deontay Wilder, man. I, don't, I mean, look, we don't know how old Luis Ortiz is. It's questionable. He could be a lot older than he says he is, but he's still he's still a dangerous knockout artist. And I think it's one of the toughest tests that Deontay's fought. And Deontay's got that wild style where it's like it's 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 uh, it leaves himself open, but he's also very vicious. And there's not a lot of ways you can defend a six eight guy with those long ass telephone poles coming for your chin. It's it's uh. It's a tough style to prepare for, so I don't know. But I, but I, I lean Wilder because younger feels like he's on. He's hitting that that stride in his career finally, where he's just going for absolute absolute blood every time he goes in there. Where at times before he was 
leaning back, maybe letting guys have a little bit too much of a window. But he really is stepping up in competition. Like, I don't know what to make off a, a win over Bermain Stavern because mm. he already beat him once, mm. beat the brakes off him this last time off Stavern, who really wasn't active. So I don't feel like I have a great grasp of Deontay Wilder after that. It's just it was a very impressive highlight reel. Remember he had trouble against some guy that was a no-name. Yeah, he had uh, Jared Washington. Joe Washington was giving him trouble, and then he ended up finishing him. But, but yeah, it was really giving him the business for a lot of the time. So if you got the power, he does give you opportunity. Yes. So that'll be interesting. And, and, and Luis has that, you know, that, that Cuban style, amateur style, where he can make himself tough to hit. And so this could be one of those things where does, does Wilder, maybe if he goes in there and he's having trouble, he's missing a lot, is there one where 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 Luis Ortiz could hit one right down the pipe and really put him down? Now, look, Wilder's a really big dude. Uh, he does leave himself off balance, so it could be one of those things where maybe he doesn't hurt him uh, devastatingly, even though Luis Ortiz has a lot of power, but he definitely could put him to the canvas because maybe Wilder's in a bad position. That's a really interesting fight to watch next week. We also got UFC 222, which is... Maybe... Uh, <laughs> Card. I don't know how it's going to do on pay per view. Yeah, I think it's going to hurt it's a, on pay per view. It's an okay card. Look, look, they were scrambling because this was supposed to be Max Holloway versus Frankie Edgar, which I can't wait to see that fight. I um, think that's a great fight, but again, I don't think it's a huge pay per view. I don't know if they have a lot of huge pay per views right now. Yeah, I think I think that the Holloway versus Edgar fight is great for MMA fans, but it doesn't have mass public appeal. Definitely not. Definitely not. But, um, you know, look, Frankie, credit to Frankie for staying on this fight, this fight card of fighting Brian Ortega. I got a feeling Frankie's going to just chop through him because, man, Fra- that's all Frankie does. Frankie just, he, you give him these young dogs who look like they're ready for their next step, and he just, he rips through them like a buzzsaw. And so Ortega's going to go in there, and, yeah, he's going to look for that submission on Frankie Edgar, but, God, it just feels like Frankie Edgar, he's just going to, he's going to take you, he's going to ragdoll you, he's going to put a pummeling on you. I just, I can't, you know, Max Holloway is a big, a big challenge for him for sure. But, you know, every time you think you're going to write Frankie Edgar off, he just, he, he, he shows you, no, 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 I'm, 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 I'm a different level. I'm a different level to this game. And, uh, he really is. He's just, he's just a little beast. That's all he is. It's, it's unbelievable watching his career. Really impressive. Um, you know, it was interesting though. So Conor McGregor came out this week and he said, uh, Put this he on did? Instagram. Yeah. He, <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram. And he says, I'm fighting again, period. I'm the best at this. I put my name forward to step in for UFC 222 to face Frankie Edgar when Max Holloway pulled out, but I was told there wasn't enough time to generate the money that the UFC would need. To pay him. To pay him, yeah, yeah. obviously. Come on. Uh, I was excited about bouncing in last minute and taking out the final featherweight without all the rest of the uh, stuff that comes in the game. Please respect the insane amount of work outside the game that I put in. I'm on the top of fighting. I am here. It is only a time. Uh, it's on them to come get me because I'm here. Yours sincerely, the champ champ. And trademark Trademark champ champ. champ. Hmm. Is that really trademarked? Good for him. Never misses a business opportunity. Uh, Frankie Edgar's uh, manager, uh, Ali Abdil Aziz, I think is how you say it. He says that it's bull bleep. He didn't, uh, he didn't do that. That's not true. Do you think Connor actually put his name in the ring or kind of did if you pay me? He may have done it to the UFC. I don't think the UFC consults with Frankie Edgar's manager about people that volunteer for the fights. That's true. You know, he's, it's a possibility. Now, if Dana came out and said, 
That's bull. What do you call it? Bull, bull bleep. Bull bleep. Bull bleep. Yeah, bull bleep. Got to be careful here. Got it. So if Dana came out and said that, I would believe it more so than Frankie Edgar's manager. Like, who is he? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it, I, I think, think I think Connor may have done it, but asked for some astronomical amount that he knew he wouldn't receive, but he put it out there. Yeah. People have always said with that Frankie Edgar fight, like, oh, Connor's always tried to duck Frankie Edgar. I don't think Connor ducks anybody. I mean, the guy goes, I mean, yeah, I'll it, fight him. Give it, me ten million. It's it's hard to it's hard to argue that he's a ducker. I mean, you could say, yeah, he's sat on the sidelines now while you know Khabib and Tony are are slugging it out. But look, you got a Floyd Mayweather fight that was going to pay him a hundred million dollars. I mean, I don't think I don't think if you told Tony, hey, Tony, you're going to take a break from uh, from UFC for a little bit. You got to fight, you know, Floyd Mayweather, but you get a hundred mil. Khabib, same thing. I think they all take it. Yeah. What was there a fighter on the roster that doesn't take that? Well, they, they talk now like, oh yeah, you got a lot of money, so he don't want to fight me. Right. Like, all right. Well, who really wants right, to buddy. fight? They're prize fighters. Keep so, getting your keep getting your seventy five thousand dollars to fight. Yeah. So, but um, yeah. So what we got this week? We got Frankie Edgar versus Brian Ortega. I like Frankie Edgar in that one. Do you guys feel the same way, or you think Ortega, young dog? He's. Uh, I'm not. In, I'm not in. I have not been, let me just clarify this comment. I have not been that impressed with Brian Ortega and seeing him fight thus far. And I think that Frankie Edgar is too skilled, has too much cage experience, has faced more adversity than Brian Ortega could probably imagine at this point in the cage that I believe Frankie Edgar will find a way to pull it out. Yeah. If not, I will be shocked, and I will be sorry for Frankie Edgar for taking the fight because right. now he will have to justify and climb back into title contention to get that shot against Max Holloway. Yeah, it would. So, but that's I, I got to respect the kind of guy that he is, that he doesn't want to drop out even though that opportunity is there for him. You know, when A lot of guys that are on the doorstep would wait it out, and he's not doing that. So I do have to give him credit there. What do you think, Tommy Guns? I definitely got Frankie on it. I think he's the more experienced, yeah. sharper fighter. Are you guys in at all to seeing uh, Cyborg fight this week against uh, Kunitskaya? No? No. Not at all? No. Why is that? Just does nothing? I just... It's almost like... It's it's like watching... Lance the Slaughter? It's just like watching... Um, like an unfair fight. Yeah. You know, it it was almost like watching last night Andrade fighting Tisha Torres. Like, I felt bad for Tisha Torres. Because Tisha Torres was there to fight. She was putting on a great fight. She was making connection. But it was like a bulldog fighting a mosquito. Right. Yeah. You know, it was like, really, she's she's getting punched in the face and Andrade is just coming forward. It's like, you know what? Here, take this. Well, I think the other thing that's interesting watching Cyborg fight lately is she's not doing the thing where she's not fighting almost like Jeremy Stevens does, where it's like just bull rushing you. Now she is taking her time, picking apart her opponents, and then obviously it amasses. Because Dana said, Dana said to her, hey, will you relax so we can get some people to fight you? Like, make it look like you're slowing down, yeah, getting older, like getting weaker. But she's she's extending the fights. Well, they announced making this, them look more competitive. Yeah. Well, they announced this week that Amanda Nunes is going to be fighting at two twenty four, so they're not going to be fighting too far apart. So maybe we'll get that fight. I, I can't guess. wait. I want Amanda Nunez to 
to I work. think she could take it too. That'd be interesting. So if they're both fighting, if we have March and 224 is probably in May. So both fight in the fall. Maybe they could get that fight to happen. I like that. That'd be kind of cool. That'd be kind of cool. Hector's fighting this week. Yeah. He's on the prelims. He's on the prelims. That's a man. I when I was looking back, I was like, because Hector's fights, you know, there's always a moment where he's he's got it, and then it's been slipping away for him. But he hasn't gotten a win in the UFC. He won in 2015, but it got taken away because he popped. Uh, so he really doesn't have a win on record since 2014. What did he do? Popped. Popped. You remember? He took a break. Jeez. Took a break. He took a break. Yeah. Uh, he's taking on C.B. Dalloway. I didn't know how to interpret that at first. He's taking on C.B. Dalloway, who's lost three of four, and also uh, is uh, in a lawsuit, I think, with the UFC because uh, he had that incident in Brazil with a uh, where like he got hurt by an elevator, and so he's he's fighting this fight. C.B. Dalloway. He got he was in he was in he was doing media in UFC in Brazil, and mm-hmm. they got some incident with this with this elevator that broke, and he got hurt. And that's the UFC's fault. Well, he was on. It was kind of like uh, I guess I don't know if it's like a workman comp thing or whatnot. I don't know, but that's that that's going on right now. <laughs> but he's uh, what are you going? Wah, he's hurt. It's the it's the the wherever they were that that's their fault. Well, maybe it's not the UFC's fault. Well, he's the ele- were they supposed to check the elevators of the buildings that they have interviews in? Yeah, really. Oh yeah, you got You can't just send somebody to. What are you? What are you gonna have? One of those old school elevators with the cage? <laughs> You're going to Brazil. Come on, relax. Be okay. flexible. So, you been to Brazil? No. Take a trip there. Questionable elevators. In some locations. What is the thing that makes you most nervous about an elevator? Is it sounds? Is it shakes? Um, I think it's the. Uh, it would be sounds. Yeah. Yeah, like the. There's a, or hesitation. I, you know when it kind of. I can tell you the Losing. I can tell you the worst elevator in South Florida. Where's that? Parking garage at City Place. Worst elevator in South Florida. Most parking garages anywhere. Parking that gar- are over fifteen years old. Parking garage at City Place. You can't get to a floor without it going Goo-goo! every time. Every time it'll it'll it, it has to rattle. Fasten everybody. your seatbelt. Like you're you like you're on Space Mountain or something. It's ridiculous. And how about guy who's at the elevator who doesn't believe that you touched the button? Like, I'm waiting at the mall. The button's lit, but I need to touch it, too, because I need to make sure it's coming. It's like, hey, hey, take my word for it. If the light's on, the elevator's coming. No, 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 no. Or you walk in, and you're like, oh, yeah. This was, you know what? Do the hard rock every week. It's got a giant button on there that says casino. You know? Yeah. It's kind of hard to miss. So everybody who's walking in, who's in the parking garage, no one's going to the, the fourth floor on the parking garage. We're all going to the casino. Yet somehow, even though the giant red light is lit up that says casino, nah, boop, I got to hit it too. He's, oh, get, he's getting ready for you. the slots. Yeah. You know, he figured he's, <laughs> the more he hits the button, he's getting his, his wrist ready. Thank you, sir. I'm glad you hit it too because my touch wasn't good enough. That's some, what's making it go. Some, you, your touch is what's making it go. Not 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 the one that I had. You You nailed it, sir. Some people feel like the promptness of the elevator is determined by the accumulation of people that push the button. Yeah, it, it's not. The more people push it, the faster it's going to go. It's not. It's not. No? No. No. Bad yeah. move. So you guys don't think Hacker's going to win? Or do you think he's going to win? 
I think he'll beat CB Dalloway. I hope so. Man. If he doesn't, then there is problems. Do you think? He'll I have... think he annihilates. I think that's probably why the UFC set this fight up. They're probably like, okay, Workman's Comp. You want Workman's Comp? We're gonna put you in there against Lombard, <laughs> and we're gonna give you Workman's Comp after the fight. It sucks for Hector too. You'll want to settle with us after that. You you gotta think too. Like you think about Hector's fight with the one he had them with Dan Henderson. Had Dan Henderson so hurt in that fight, and then. Yeah. It, Dan Henderson comes with that elbow out of nowhere. Yep. Neil Magny fight, he had him pummeled down. Neil Magny pulls that out. It's just like, damn. The, the, like, have these and Henderson been... and Henderson went on to get a title shot after that. Yeah, and so you think like, man, he's been he's been like on the three yard line on some of these fights, and it's somehow slipped away from him. And so he's gonna out. get this one. Shout out to Hector. Shout I'm- out. I'm totally over the moon with the uh, Yoel Romero story coming to Miami. I am too. Let's go already. Let's do this. Let's get this going already, Tommy. It's been 2003 since we had a fight in Miami. What are you guys talking about? Yoel Romero is uh, is is pushing to get this fight, uh, his title fight against Robert Whitaker down here. Yeah, that would be great if people in Miami would actually show up to the fight. I think they need to get a. Can we get? Can we get a real test though, Sima? Like they're always giving us bogus, you know. B level cards. Why don't you give us? Get, you know Miami. If it's an event, they'll go. So if you give a championship fight, as long as it's not the same weekend as Ultra. No, no, no! Don't do that. Don't be stupid. No, it's got to be a weekend <laughs> where there's nothing here. Put it right in the middle of Marlin season. Yoel says Cuba would go crazy. They Miami would. would go crazy. Many people in the world would go. Would be so happy. What would you have? You'd have everybody at American Top Team sign up for that fight? We don't have to travel. We don't have state tax. Yeah. We'd be, everybody would be down to do that down They could here. do a, the, what is it, uh, Combat Club versus ATT all over again. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. Whatever it Got takes. some big names. Yeah. Let's go. I'd be all for it, man. So would I. American Airlines Arena? Oh. What, what are they going to do? Another, another card in New York? Another one? And who doesn't want to come to Florida for an event? Yeah, man. You got to do it in the winter. So, like, uh, November? Yeah. Yeah. Close enough. Yeah, nice and warm. You have a... Uh, just, 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 just really soup it up. Just everything you can put on it. I agree. Oh, man, it would be amazing. Brock Lesnar versus John Jones. Oh, yeah. Now you're talking. <laughs> I just saw your face light up yeah. like I've never seen oh, before. Oh, my God. You're telling me Brock Lesnar versus John Jones wouldn't fill the rafters at the AAA? Of course it would. Come on. What are you going to do? Boom. But that's what Miami gonna, would need. Going to do it in Vegas. That's what Vegas. That's what we would need here. Vegas schmegas. Well, the difference with Vegas is the whales that come in to see the fights. So those casino properties, they... They pay for that. Uh, all right. You're not selling. You're not selling the twenty-five thousand dollar seat, cage side. Here at American Airlines, the casino will pay that. A lot of politics involved here. I don't like how you're going. MGM, Mandalay, kind of killing my buzz. No, I'm gonna I'm be just, honest with you. Okay. <laughs> Trying to get this thing off the I ground. I won't speak on it anymore. I don't, I don't like you. That's the, that's the financials. Take your real, behind the scenes. Take your take your realistic de- details elsewhere, if you please. <laughs> I don't care for them. We'll like, take the fantasy. I like so, my I like my dream pie on. The, I like my pie in the sky mentality. Dream on, dreamer. That's how I like it. Well, what about? I would love that fight here. What What about? Yeah, what are they gonna do? They're gonna go to Australia again? Why does Australia get the cards? 
Australia. Because you know why? You want me to tell you? Yeah, it would actually. Because Australia travel and tourism pays them to go there. Really? Yes, indeedy. Who who was the biggest sponsor on the mat? Australia. Yep. That's not fair. We need to do that. They paid the money. They pay the money. That's why they do all these flyovers during the breaks. You know, they start talking about, and welcome to the UFC. And then they they show all the cliff divers and things like that. They're promoting travel and tourism to Australia. You didn't see that that the money that Australia is putting out? They did a Super Bowl ad. What was the last car we had down here? Was it was it Yoel at the Hard Rock? Yes. How did that do? Did that do? It was amazing. It sold out. So, like, come on. We've that was it. Machida, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the building was jam-packed. <laughs> so let's do it again. Come on. Why does Orlando get a card? Orlando's got like three cards. Orlando? With Where the cousin that? bleeping? What's going on? <laughs> Kobe Covington word. Not mine. Not mine. But he was talking about Ocala, not Orlando. Fair enough. Yes. Fair enough. Be careful. You don't want them sending Mickey Mouse down after you. All right. Uh, I'm going to roll on with you guys for a little bit after... Uh, for this next hour, Joanna and JJ got a chance to speak with the former champ. She's fighting at UFC 223. We'll hear from her next. Welcome back. Let's go out to the Ryan Fields and Downstairs Convenience Store's guest line. Truly sets beyond convenient. They will find Joanna and Jacek. She is taking on Rose Namajunas for the strawweight title coming up at UFC 223. Joanna, thanks for making time for us. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, it, it, it's great to talk to you guys. I'm I'm in Florida right now, so I'm even more happy to talk to my buddies from Miami. <laughs> yeah, we're very well. It's, it's pretty awesome that you trained down here, Yana. How did you How did you end up deciding that you wanted to come to South Florida to train? I know you've been down here for a little bit now, but what what led you to go uh, from from your homeland to come here? You know, I've been in this business for 14 years already, and uh, one and a half year ago, I decided to move to the states. Uh, I was a champion, the strawweight champion, for two years and eight months. I've been traveling a lot to the States, and it was difficult to do all the media, press conferences, deal with the fans, and uh, train at the same time, because uh, I won my belt with the team uh, from Poland, and I defended the belt uh, with, the, with, with the same team. But one day I had to make this decision, and I, so far it was the best decision in my fighting career. Uh, I love ATT and um, this team is going, I, I'm going to work with American Top Team probably till the end of my fighting career. Amazing place, the headquarters uh, is brand new, it's only like, it's been two years in, in Coconut Creek. Uh, amazing people, great coaches and uh, good sparring partners on the world-class level. Uh, in Poland, I had everything, you know, my family is there, my fiancé, I have my uh, goods there, but uh, I had to move here because I didn't have the right uh, mental support. So what I have here, I work with Mikey Brown, uh, WEC former uh, champion, I work with Kater Kubis and other great athletes, so it's a good place to be for amateur and professional fighter. Were there a lot of places you were you were looking at when you decided you wanted to move to America? What had you ended up? I know they have an amazing reputation and, and a lot and a, an amazing stable of fighters. What made you want to land down here? You know what? Everything happens for a reason, and and uh, I 
I, of course, I was uh, at Great Jackson. I was uh, at Kings in LA, in California. I was at Great New Mexico. I was at Elevation Team in Denver. But at the end, uh, I moved here to ATT. And like I said, so far it was the best. Uh, decision in my fighting career and it's going to be an honor to win the belt for the owner Dan Lambert uh, the owner of ATT Dan Lambert and win this belt as an American top team athlete uh, on April 7 at the Barclays Arena. Yeah, you, it's going to be an amazing night of fights between you and Tony Ferguson and Khabib fighting for the belt. It's, it's going to be an amazing night for fight fans. It's a great card. It's a great card. Oh, it's man. amazing. I can't, I can't wait for it. I see you on social media with my guy, Daya Davis, working out, getting ready for, for Rose for your rematch. How, how have you felt in this camp, Joanna? Is it, is it different? You, you know, it is the first loss you're coming off your career. Do you feel a different motivation? Is it the same? Are there, what is the feeling, I guess, like prepping for this one? Uh, you know what? I'm more focused, and uh, there is no drama in my life, in my uh, fighting life, and I'm only focused on getting better. Uh, you know, so many people asked me if I was going to work with American Top Team and, and the same coaches. I said yes, because we didn't do anything bad. We were more than ready to win that fight with Rose Namajunas. I know that so many people are talking about my excuses, but I don't look for excuses. Uh, you know that I've been in this business for so many years, and it would be stupid if I was looking for excuses. I lost. I take this. Rose is a champion, and I have so much respect to her. But that night, I couldn't compete. I was not a competitor because of the way how I felt. But uh, I, I, I only this camp. I, I had to learn, and I'm still learning how to be patient because I know that this day is coming. You know, and and I will get what get back what belongs to me, and it's just throwaway belt. What's it like? Joanna, when you're on top like that so much and you have to go in, I guess, camp after camp and, 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 and figure yeah. out, I guess, new ways to better yourself. Is, is it harder? Do you find it harder, I guess, being in the position of, of being on top or is, it, or is it harder going at this point trying to go get it back? That, that's a perfect question. You know, every champion who defended the belt a few times is going to say the same. That, Of course, it was not easy to get to the top, get the title shot, win the belt, but it's definitely more difficult to keep on defending the belt. And uh, even at the top, you must keep your eyes open even more than before. And you can, you must expect from people more and more and expect more from yourself. And uh, I believe and uh, I want all my fans to be patient uh, and just wait for the, for the final day, for the April 7, you know. But I, I work really hard. Twice a day, I work hard uh, to get back the uh, throwaway belt. What is your favorite part about living in South Florida besides uh, getting to be at an awesome camp and, and trade at ATT? What do you like outside of uh, the camp in South Florida? People, people are so nice. I, I love my homeland, and I was born and raised in Poland, and my fiancé is there, my family and friends. And uh, I, I want to live there. After I will be done with fighting, but so I spend usually like two, three months in Florida, then I fly back home for two, three months. But I love Florida, you know, uh, no drama, uh, people are super nice, the weather is great, and I, I feel like home, you know, I feel like home, and definitely people are making the places. And because of 
and amazing people. I feel like home in Florida, and I love the weather, man. I love the weather. One of your guys at ATT, Yoel Romero. He's uh, he's trying to get the mo the momentum behind having a, a, a championship fight down here. Would you be down for that? Defending a belt down in Miami? Oh, oh, oh! Why not? Why not? Why not? Like I said, it's my second home. Florida is my second home, and I would like to do, I would like to do that for the Polish community here in the state in Florida. For my fan base here in Florida, definitely, I would like to do that. That'd be pretty awesome. Yohan, thank you for taking uh, some time with us. Best of luck the rest of the way in camp, and we'll be watching so at much, UFC guys. 223. Thank you so much. I, I, I hope we're going to talk after the fight. Absolutely. Actually, I always do my vacation after every fight in Miami, South Beach. Uh, Miami is amazing. It's beautiful. I all I. I always have a good vacation over there, so I will swing by and talk to you. I will come with the strawberry bed on my way. Uh, you know what? We'll take you up on it, Joanna. I'd love to see it. Love to see it wrapped around your waist again. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. That's Joanna Jedchik. She is fighting for the strawweight belt, trying to beat Rose Namunis in the rematch. April 7th, live on pay-per-view. That's a hell of a card. Khabib Namagamadoff. He's taking on Tony Ferguson, which is supposed to be now for the undisputed 155 belt when all the Conor McGregor drama settles. It's about as good a card as you can get. Very much looking forward to that and appreciate Joanna stopping by and joining the show. What's up, gang? It's Tobin. Recently, we just sent out to... I feel like it's such a desperate call. I'm not gonna lie, I gotta switch that up this week. Note to self. I didn't mean it though when I said I love you all to pieces. So I'm taking you up until Kane's baseball, which will get going around 11:45. We got the pregame show. First pitch is at noon from Alex Rodriguez Park, Mark Lightfield. And then they got to name Jim Moore. Like it's Jim Morris's last season. They got to name him. Give him something too, right? To get the bullpen? I feel like Jim Morris is a bigger deal than that. Pitching mound. Pitching mound? Hi again, everybody. Welcome. Dave Van Horn here, live from Mark Lightfield, Alex Rodriguez Park. And, uh, yeah, it's taking the Jim Morris mound. There we go. Stepping in to the batter's box. 3-2 pitch. Glad. Anyway, so we'll go for about another half hour here. I do want to get into some more fight stuff because... You know, I was asked to be here for an extra half hour, so I'm going to talk about whatever the hell I want to. So that's how it's going to roll. Plus, I'll get all my heat takes tomorrow. You guys can hear me one to three with uh, Leroy and Beast, and I'm sure I'll pop in on the morning show with Zazzle Roms and Amber as well. Um, but, yeah, we got a big week coming up next week. I do think this is interesting, though, from the standpoint of the UFC. They had a good week from this perspective because they got uh, coming up next week UFC 222. And thanks again to Yana and Jacek for spending some time with us. Uh, on the show to talk about her fight coming up in April. That's a legit, I think, one of their best cards of the year. When they have her on the card against Rosnami Yunus, Tony Ferguson taking out Khabib Nurmagomedov, probably the two best 155ers active right now on the planet. Of course, Conor McGregor is in that mix as well. But the fact that, you know, reports surfaced this week that Conor McGregor and the UFC, they're in negotiations. Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer, and he also does work for MMAfighting.com, he reported those negotiations are going well for a two-fight two fight stretch. They're going to negotiate for two fights and that he, for this year. So that's great to hear. If the UFC gets him, they also are going to probably find out about John Jones this week. He has his hearing for his USADA test where he, he popped for a, uh, a low dosage of steroid after his Daniel Cormier fight. But, 
you know, it seems like he's got a lot of momentum behind that not being too serious as well because Dana White said that he had his first talks with John Jones since that fight this week. And I imagine if that's the case, you know, Dana says he's got no influence over it. But if that's the case, if Dana's talking to John Jones, and we've heard from uh, Jeff Nowitzki when he was on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he says that he doesn't believe John Jones did anything intentionally. If they were to do something like, all right, John, you have a year suspension, which would clear him by July because it would be retroactive, I think that would probably satisfy all parties involved. And that would also take him up to Daniel Cormier's next fight. He's fighting Stipe. And I think ultimately there's two ways they can go here. Because the other thing that the UFC got from this week that was interesting, uh, Paul Heyman, who's around Brock Lesnar, I don't know if he's legitimately his manager, but he plays his manager uh, in WWE world. And he said that he believes Brock Lesnar is ready for a UFC fight at any time. And he also had some shady stuff the last time he fought with the, with the Mark Hunt fight. But either way, if the UFC had a wish list this year, and you could tell them, hey, we're going to give you two Conor McGregor fights, another John Jones return fight, and a Brock Lesnar fight. I mean, they would they would be dying for that. You know, we were talking about with Seaman Tommy Guns last hour that, you know, this fight coming up this week at UFC two two twenty two. It's a good card. It's a it's it's an okay card, but it's not pay per view worthy. And even if what what they had originally, Max Holloway versus Yoel Romero. It's not what they would call a, a pay-per-view home run. And I do think that that market has to be adjusted for what people are really willing to pay $70 for anymore. I do think there does have to be a market adjustment for that just because of how much content we're allowed to get now a la carte for so little, how many fights are available to us for free, that you could say realistically match up to this. You know, if you were to go to the UFC Austin card, Last week, last Sunday. I mean, other than the fact that there's a title for Cyborg, which is not a title I think too many people give a great deal of thought to, it's a pretty comparable card. So a lot of the times, these UFC cards that are on pay-per-view, it's not that the fighters aren't great, and it's not that the it's not that they're not putting their best foot forward. It's just that there's so much content to fill that you have to give some of the cards on television, some rub, and then you're left with these pay-per-views where it's like, all right, well, is that really worth my $60, or is that really worth my $65 or $70? You know, you do a lot of justifying in those regards. And look, it's not just UFC. Boxing's in that in that same boat. If you were to look at this year, this may be a year where there's realistically one big pay-per-view, you know, and that's Triple G versus Canelo going down in May. If I were to really look at the rest of it, what else is going to be on there? Maybe Deontay Wilder versus Anthony Joshua, if it happens. You'd say that's certainly worthy of it, talent-wise. But is that really what's going to get the most fans to watch it? Or is it putting it on CBS? Is it putting it on Showtime? Is it putting it on an HBO? Or even these days an ESPN? What is really going to get the most eyeballs to your sport? What could you really do to generate the most eyeballs, generate the most revenue. So I think this is an interesting time for the fight game as far as what that market dictates anymore. Is it going to be a point where UFC is looking at this new deal where they're trying to get all the money they can from Fox and those negotiations have reportedly been going slow? 
you know, what if Fox tells them, hey, we want all your cards. If you really want to get all the revenue you can out of this, we want all your cards. Maybe outside of the, the McGregor fights. If that's something that the UFC could, could negotiate. Just because it feels like it's it, there's not a great deal of difference between what I watched last night, which was a good card in Orlando on Fox, to what I am going to be forced to pay $65 for next week. So, if the UFC can come at you and say, hey, you know what we got coming up? Two Conor McGregor cards. One John Jones return fight. And a Brock Lesnar. Plus, we got the Stipe versus Daniel Cormier uh, monster showdown for the heavyweight title. I think that'd be a really good year for the UFC to bounce back pay-per-view-wise in the old terms of the market. But I do think they have to look at where things stand and how people are consuming their sport and what you're not paying for in relates to what you have to pay for and what the difference is there. Because I don't think it's great. I, I don't think it's it's great in terms of, hey, I love watching Max Holloway fight um, and I love watching Chris Cyborg fight, but Chris Cyborg versus random 145-er, is that worth $65 anymore? Is that in comparison to I get to watch Donald Cerrone fight Yancey Medeiros who... You know, both these guys are capable of a fight of the year. It, it, it's an interesting conundrum for fight fans. You know, look, hardcore people, you're going to consume everything. That's just how we. That's how it goes about for, for, for most guys. But is that old model working anymore is a fascinating thing that has to be watched for the coming days. And, and sports is like that everywhere. You know, we're, 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 it's looked upon right now as, the one place where people are still going to their television and it can draw ratings. And I would say for the most part, it is. But even that is changing. You know, Barry Jackson had these uh, these numbers when Dwayne Wade made his return, where it was the highest rated heat game since 2016, his return against the Bucks, But it was also the highest streamed on Fox Sports Go. So people are just consuming sports differently. There's so many platforms to do it. There's so many ways to go about it. And so in five years, is it prudent to think, hey, I'm going to pay $70 to watch Tyron Woodley against Colby Covington? Is it? And it's not It's not a slap in the face to those guys. It's just, is it? Is it realistic to expect the fans to go there for every single UFC? Because it's not like the old days where it was six UFCs a year, four UFCs a year, and that was it. That's all you were getting. And the Ultimate Fighter. Now it's just like every week we got UFCs to watch or boxing to watch. There's so much combat sports to consume. I don't know if it's it's acceptable to think that people are going to pay. And they may just be in that time now where the only pay-per-view worthy thing is a Canelo versus Triple G or a Conor McGregor fight. Because boxing is looking at it right now, and they're saying, "Yeah, but am I? Can I really convince people or that uh, to watch Terence Crawford versus Lomachenko as probably the best fight you could put together right now, pound for pound? Could you convince half a million people to buy that on pay per view? I don't know if that's realistic. I don't know if it is, and that's not a slight on those guys, and that's not a slight on the health of the sport. I would say right now, boxing." For the guys I enjoy following, I think is the healthiest it's been in a long time for P- 
people I want to watch and stars I want to watch and guys I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in watching every single fight they go about and go in the ring. But is that a point where just because there's a lot of those young guys, are there enough crossover guys to where you could convince people to fork over $70 to watch Terrence Crawford versus Vasily Lomachenko? I don't know if there is. Now, this is an interesting one. Bob Arum came out this week and he said, Manny Pacquiao, he could choose between his next opponent. And it could be either between Lomachenko or Terrence Crawford. Now you're talking, okay, Manny Pacquiao is one of the few legit crossover stars left. Could we put that on ESPN pay-per-view? Yeah, they definitely could. Manny Pacquiao, if that's not going to get a million buys, it'll be just under because he's a bona fide superstar and those two guys can get the rub off him. And then are you talking about, all right, well, will one of those guys get the Canelo-type rub where they'll be the next star after that? That's a tough one because Terrence Crawford, I don't know if he's got the controversial polarizing style that people are going to root against him like they did with Floyd. And Floyd's really man, he's 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 like the last he's he's like the last of the American stars where you could say, man, this guy doesn't have he doesn't really have a nationalistic sense behind him. He is American, but nobody nobody buys Floyd Mayweather fights because of American pride. A lot of people buy Floyd fights to watch him lose. Whereas Canelo, a lot of Canelo's marketability has to do with the fact that he has a huge fan base that has national pride behind him that will pay to watch him, and we're gonna we're gonna send it around two weekends, Mexican Independence Weekend and Cinco de Mayo, and it's an event. Canelo fights Mexican pride. It it, it and it just it's old school, but it's a thing boxing does, and it's a thing they haven't evolved past, and it does work. It, it marketably it does work. But with Terrence, okay, Terrence, quiet guy from Nebraska, vicious killer. He is, uh, in the boxing sense, he is. Uh, he goes out, he destroys people with bad intentions. Is that enough to cross over and say every American f- fan, every boxing American fan should want to watch this guy? He's maybe the best American fighter we got right now. Same thing with going on with Deontay Wilder. You know, Deontay Wilder is trying to move to 40-0 this week. 40-0, what a, what a number. 40-0, 6'8 American boxer, knockout artist. Uh, charismatic, very good on the microphone, um, willing to say outlandish stuff like he's better than Tyson in 86 or he's better than Muhammad Ali. It's things that upset boxing fans, but hey, he's willing to go out on a limb and say it. But why, why doesn't he connect the way Anthony Joshua does in Great Britain? Anthony Joshua is one of the biggest stars in Great Britain right now. He's heavyweight champ of the world. That, that was the title of all titles back in the day. And it's not only that. You know, Deontay Wilder, he, he's not only uh, got a piece of the heavyweight crown, but he's a, he's a bronze medalist, so he's got Olympic background. And you know what that, what that would mean back in the day? That you had a, 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 an Olympic medalist, 40-0, Piece of the heavyweight title. What Deontay Wilder would have been in the 90s. What he would have been in the 80s, in the 70s. You're talking about one of the biggest athletes in the world. Would he have been as good? Man, 6'8", that kind of knockout power? Yeah, he's not the most polished thing in the world. But if you, if I were to give you 
all of his credentials, what they could sell that on back in the day, just that alone. Olympian, medalist, 40-0, heavyweight champion, piece of the heavyweight championship. Charismatic. I mean, dude would be a monster star. But these days, not so much. And I don't know what the recipe is. If he doesn't have the secret sauce, the recipe to success, what does? And I do understand there's mitigating factors like, hey, his promoter Al Heyman, he had him fighting a bunch of bums when he was on national television. Could have been a lot bigger a lot sooner. Those those are valid arguments. Uh, But even still, with today's day and age, social media, with what he did to Stavern, even though it was against Berman Stavern, the, that that flurry, that highlight reel that he put together was viral. It went everywhere. Everybody saw it. But I don't necessarily know it's gonna it's going to equate into people buying his fight. Now, if he fights Anthony Joshua, if it was given enough time, could it be a pay per view success in America? I think so, uh, because it feels like that tide is turning for Deontay Wilder. But even still, it for a guy his age, he's thirty two. For it to be taking this long is weird. It's weird. Um, because of where 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 Anthony Joshua was. Anthony Joshua was gold medalist in the Olympics, got a piece of the heavyweight title, and was a superstar in London like that. Just just bang, it, it clicked. That stuff still means something. 90,000 people will go and watch him no matter what. He's fighting Joe Parker, great fight. But... It could be against Joe Schmo. He's going to fight 70,000 in front of 70,000 people. That's why it's so hard to get him over here. And the interesting thing is, you know, everybody looks and says, well, yeah, but you're not really making it until you make it in America. It's like, well, is that the case anymore? We're a much smaller world. And what I mean by that is, even though he's fighting in London, I can watch it. It's I, I got access to it. It's going to be on my... Showtime account if I want to go watch it. It's going to be at at my fingertips or I can put it on my television. This isn't back in the day where if there was some guy in London who was great, I couldn't find out about it. No. You know, last night, watching a card in Mexico. I was watching uh, our boy Tyrone Spong. Shout out to him. Knockout victory in the in the fifth round. Goes to 11-0. So, uh, shout out to Tyrone. Um, Tyrone. But that happened in Mexico. Got a got a feed on uh, on Facebook from their from their promoters. It's, it's available to everybody. Great broadcast. Everybody saw it, and it's available to the whole world. Um, you know, so even in the smallest corners of the fight game, you're able to have access to a decent broadcast to watch these guys fight. It's been smaller than it ever has been. The world is smaller. Yet, for some reason, our country with the fight support isn't quite the same. It's a weird thing. Yet, Conor McGregor, he becomes the biggest star on the planet because, in part, he's got the Irish fan base behind him. But we'll take the best of anything. America will take the best of anything and glam onto it. They'll become huge Conor McGregor fans, huge Anthony Joshua fans, huge Manny Pacquiao fans, huge Canelo Alvarez fans. It doesn't necessarily have to be an American for us to for us to love it excuse me that's not the case that's not how it used to be 
you know, you would you would back your guy, you would back your nation, you would back the uh, the fighter that represented you. And today's day and age, we'll rip Deontay Wilder for not being as good as Anthony Joshua because Deontay doesn't have the Vladimir Klitschko fight on his resume. And Anthony Joshua does. Even though Vladimir Klitschko probably would never would have fought a Deontay Wilder because commercially just didn't make sense. So I think it's an interesting thing where in today's day and age, what is the benefit to having that nation behind you, having another country behind you. In the UFC, you know, the most successful guys of all time all really had nations behind them, other than Brock Lesnar, who you could even say had the WWE nation, if you will, behind him. So it's kind of a weird, but you look, Conor McGregor, George St. Pierre, Canada, Anderson Silva, Brazil, um... You know, the Brazilian fan base has been rabid, and that always has, has helped build guys. And then you look at Brock Lesnar, yeah, huge star, but also had a WWE past that had a crossover effect. And John Jones, he does good numbers when he's fighting Daniel Cormier, but elite numbers like those guys have done, not quite. He, he, he I think, could get there, and, I, man, I really think that if this stupid test didn't happen and that he would have had the Brock Lesnar fight, I really do think that would have been a trampoline for John Jones. I think he would have gone superstar next level. And so that opportunity may come, but I do think it was derailed a little bit because he had the comeback story. He had the vicious win. He beat his rival. He did it in sensational style. Then he called up Brock Lesnar. Everybody was behind that. Brock Lesnar, John Jones, let's do it. And I think that would have been the launching pad for him. But that, but I think that takes a lot more steps than it took Connor. Connor needed the wins and Connor needed the bleep talking. But Conor had Ireland behind him. He felt big. He felt like a superstar. I remember watching Conor McGregor's uh, first headline on a fight pass in Ireland. I remember talking to him before it happened, and it was different for him. And you're just like, wow, this guy, he does ha- he does talk the talk, and he does feel different, but he also had a small arena in Ireland behind him. When it got the knockout, boom. Then we take the next step. Always felt like he was moving forward with those superstar stuffs behind him. But the atmosphere, the people, the fans behind him all helped that. And I don't know if uh, if these days the um, – I don't know if these days we'll get that again with just, hey, we'll support our guy because he's from here and that's enough. With 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 us, we just want to support whoever, whoever is awesome. And so I do think that when Deontay Wilder fights this week – against Luis Ortiz, it does need to be sensational. It does need to have a viral effect to it. He needs to keep going in this scope of being the next Tyson, being the most vicious guy possible. He needs to have he needs to have a violent knockout because what he needs is to to really build this nest of he's the most feared guy. That's what needs to happen. He can't just go out there and I think win a decision to to up the demand of him. He can go out there and he can win a decision and be impressive, and I think a lot of boxing fans will give him credit, and I think a lot of boxing pundits will give him credit. But I think if we're talking Deontay Wilder really wants to get into the arms race of being as big a star as Anthony Joshua or being on par with Anthony Joshua, Anthony Joshua it needs to be something memorable against Luis Ortiz, and that's dangerous because Luis Ortiz is a really, really good fighter, He's very dangerous. 
he he could put the lights out on him. And we've seen Deontay where he gets into those wild slugfests where it can be sensational but also can leave him open. I think he's going to win this fight. And I, I got this. I, I, my, my instinct is Deontay is going to have that moment. But it's not without a little bit of pause on my part to think that Luis Ortiz can get this win. I'm not writing Luis Ortiz off at all. My pick is Deontay Wilder. But I don't feel I don't feel 100% confident. I don't know if I feel 80% confident. There's just something to me feeling like we're reaching the pinnacle. It's almost too perfect to get Joshua versus Deontay Wilder, one of the biggest heavyweight fights that we've had in 15 years, 20 years. So I'm hoping it doesn't get derailed. Everybody have a fantastic rest of your Sunday. Got a little Canes baseball coming up for you here on your new home for Canes baseball, 790 The Ticket. I will talk to you guys on the morning show tomorrow. And then, of course, 1-3 to three with Beast and Leroy. Everybody have a fantastic rest of your day and love you. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.